Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to WandaVision 30 Questions, a show where each week we ask 30 questions about the new show WandaVision on Disney+. I'm your host, Adam Portress, and joining me today, he's a man lost in space and time, sweet Shanza Kovacs from the internet. My mind wanders while I'm watching this show. (laughs) And our own brave little toaster, Bruce Leslie. Finally, a TV show I can watch that simulates a TV show. Oh, you know what? We've been asking for it for years, and finally Disney has delivered on a show that is also <laughs> like shows. So I hate it when I'm watching a show and think it's real life. I love it when a show lets me know it's a show. Winking right at the camera the entire time. Uh, well, if you didn't listen to our teaser episode, uh, let me clue you in a little bit about what we do here. We... Uh, On all of our 30-question show, of which we have several, we ask 30 questions of a particular television program. This time we're doing the first season, episodes one and two of WandaVision, available now on Disney+. Plus. So there'll be spoilers here throughout. The questions could be just about anything, just about about anything. So uh, let's go ahead and get it started with question number one. Uh, So I ask you guys, what, if any, expectations did you have of WandaVision going into it? Bruce, you answer first because I'm in, I'm more interested in your take than mine. Okay, so the expectation, like I clearly had expectations, but they weren't uh, crystallized uh, terribly well. But I did expect it to be trippy, and I expected it to be told in somewhat of a non-linear fashion. And I expected the tone of each episode to shift as the episode went along, which I haven't seen in the first two. I mean, there's there's a little bit of a shift at the end, but what I mean is instead of an entire episode being like an homage to Father Knows Best, I thought we would jump back and forth between, uh, you know, color and black and white, depending on what was going on in the conversation or the scene. But instead, we get kind of like this episode is an homage to this show from beginning to end. Now, with me, I only saw a couple of images and stuff and maybe like we'll call it 10 seconds worth of video at some point uh, leading up to this. I really had almost zero expectations. I kind of stayed away from, you know, as much marketing and advertising as I could. I don't believe I saw one trailer for this at all. Uh, I'd seen a couple of pictures and stuff because it's the internet and it's tough to get away from at least pictures and whatnot. Uh, But I came into this with a very, very blank slate other than I knew that it was going to be, you know, kind of trippy and stuff. It's obviously leading into the uh, Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness at some point. So I figure there might be some some trickery going on of some sort. But uh, I really had no expectations going into this. Uh, For me. I have never liked the characters of Wanda or Vision. Um, I think that they are the weakest characters in the Marvel Universe, in my opinion, because they are far, far too powerful and there's no rules to what they can do. Uh, so I, 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 that was already strike one. But I don't know if you guys remember or not, when we were kind of discussing watching the show in the first place, I, 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 I remember saying the words, you know, it's Marvel. Like I'm going to give them, I'm going to give them a pass for, for anything when it comes to like, well, that doesn't sound like a great idea for a show, but it's Marvel. So let's see it. Yeah. What I was really hoping for was that it was going to be like the sitcom thing, but there was an air of menace to the whole thing. That's really what my expectation was. And we didn't get that. We don't get any of that at all. In fact. And so like whether or not like my expectations were met, I'm going to say yes. Uh, although I expected more. 
And I don't know if now's a good time to kind of call a shot for what I was, what I'm still expecting. I was expecting it going into it, still expecting it now. Um, I'm kind of expecting it to end with a massive game changer. Like I'm kind of picturing this series might be where we get an inverse of the M day storyline from uh, the comics Mm -hmm. where instead of no more mutants and all the mutants magically go away because Fox had the rights to them. I think in this show, we might get some kind of inverse like that where she does something that brings mutants into the universe. So, you know, kind of turning that uh, on its head. Clever. I do like that as, as, as a conceit for that. Me because too. That is something that we've been thinking about with, you know, the Marvel Cinematic University acquirement of Fox and everything. How and if in any way they're going to, you know, merge these things together. We have some, you know, reported supposed hints that might be coming in the next Spider-Man film. Uh, maybe this all, you know, can, you know, in one way, shape, or form dovetail into that as well. Who's to say? Bruce, do you think that's going to happen during the uh, the Brady Bunch homage or the Three's Company homage? Well, well here's where, well, I don't, I don't know if the, which of my questions made it, so I don't want to step on this question if it comes later. Um, since it's going to be linear, it'll probably be during the most recent homage, which will be like The Office or Parks and Rec or something mm-hmm. like that. I mean, I don't know. Are they going to have a good play? Uh, like, what's the absolute most current sitcom they could uh, spoof that ABC uh, has? Is Ugly Betty still on the air? <laughs> <laughs> the Goldbergs. Yeah, the Goldbergs on ABC will probably be, which is weird because it in, of itself is kind of a spoof of things we're nostalgic for. But yeah, it'll be the last episode, so it'll be whatever the most current sitcom they spoof is. Modern Family. Question number two, Bruce. After watching the first episode, my 10-year-old son asked the perfect question. Uh, what was that supposed to mean? So how would you good gentlemen answer that question for my beautiful child? I can't wait to hear Sean's answer. <laughs> okay, you want it, you want me to go? Yeah. <laughs> Here is my thought on the whole thing. Okay. Is they had a real a lot of really smart people who are really good at their job had a really good idea, which is that You know, everything kind of went to hell for Wanda and Vision during uh, during Infinity War. So in order to bring those two characters back into the universe, you have to have some sort of like like fracture happen. And, And she's trying to mend it piece by piece to make things happen, like go back to one. The problem is, is that when they have this really good idea these very smart people got lost in their own, their own crap. So like, Oh wow, we can really, we can really recreate what these leave it to beaver style sitcoms were like, or bewitched were like, or whatever. So let's, let's do that. And then we'll just parse out information just in like, like a 30 second increment in a half hour show. So what everyone is what what everyone is waiting for, we're gonna make them wait at least <laughs> nine episodes for to get to a point where it, it it's satisfying. So they absolutely fell in love with the fact that oh wow, we can make this absolutely pitch perfect like the shows that we're trying to recreate, and they just totally got lost in all of that, completely forgetting. We aren't here to watch I Love Lucy. We are here to watch Marvel stuff. 
And they totally, totally got lost in all of that. I I wonder if anybody told them that I Love Lucy is already a thing we can watch. So to, to, to answer your son's question, what is all of that supposed to mean? It's supposed to mean that like she's trying to fix a, like her own, her own life. However, they got lost in their own crap. That's what, that's what the show really feels like to me. Uh, for me, uh, this is, uh, I, I understand everything that you're saying. I don't necessarily agree with it because I, what a surprise Adam <laughs> loves this. Uh, I don't love it yet. I don't love you it yet. You love it. I am intrigued by it right you now. You want to know more about Mr. Hart and his wife? <laughs> Much more you want, so. You want like, 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 like sitcom premise for a half an hour with two characters who like could just destroy a universe if they really went for it. But but no no no, we got to learn if he's going to get a raise with his dumb job. But that's uh, to me, here's the thing though. And and I do believe that that will come in all as a story device. Them trying to figure out all of these things. It is these two people and we'll we'll get into it probably a little bit further as things go on. <laughs> it's small wonder for a new generation. Exactly. In a, in a weird way. In a in a weird way, but at the same time too, this is them trying to figure out I think they're in some sort of, you know, simulation type thing and this is really two beings coming sentient in there and figuring out where their place is, how they've got to where they are because uh, they it feels like they only you know half know or you know quarter know of of what exactly is going on and i think that's the exact same thing that we're getting uh as an audience and why i think the audience is kind of split down that line there is that Sean line of you spent these two episodes going what have i been watching i'm not really quite sure of this and then there's the other side of the coin that looks at every little tiny thing every nook and cranny and this thing is jam-packed filled with a whole bunch of stuff and when you watch it a second time and you know go in with different mindset and, and thought of how you know what the different scenarios could be you look at characters and those characters actions in a completely different way or at least i did upon second viewing Bruce, what number what, three? Yeah, all right. <laughs> I was number uh, my answer. What was this supposed to mean? I don't know yet. You're I like, just watch the second see. episode, son. Let's because they yeah, put him out the together. Second episode. I still didn't have an answer, but at least it was in color by the end. Fair. Uh, <laughs> honestly, if, if I wanted to give him the honest father son answer, what was this supposed to mean? Well, this is supposed to mean we're going to fast forward to the last five minutes of each episode from now on. <laughs> yeah, basically, that's that's my point to that. <laughs> oh man. Number three, Sean. The last new Marvel movie was Spider-Man Far From Home. It was released on July 2nd, 2019. And if I was a kid and I waited that long for something new from the Marvel Universe and it was this show, I'd be mad. I'm not a kid and I am mad. (laughs) Does this show make you feel angry at all? I've waited way longer for far worse. So, you know, being... (laughs) <laughs> given my life experience this is not that big a deal on a scale of one to hey this is nowhere near as bad as ready player two <laughs> take that ernie uh i again i i understand this and yeah I, I will definitely say if i was a kid and this was the show that they gave me i would be very upset because this is not something that you can put, you know, a nine-year-old in front of and they're going to gleam a whole lot of entertainment value out of it. I do believe that to be true. Uh, but as 
for me as somebody on the outside who's you know sat through what was it three or four seasons of legion i'm all down for whatever is kind of going on here but legion is it you just broke my brain legion is like like a wonder it is it is twin peaks in the superhero universe but it makes sense yeah i mean noah holly is definitely not working on this project legion Legion is trippy and difficult to follow and non-linear. This is giving the facade of being trippy and non-linear, but yet they're still spoon-feeding you the stuff you really need to know. And Legion didn't spoon-feed, I didn't think. No. And on top of it... Are they spoon-feeding? Sean didn't understand three-fourths of the... It sounds like you missed most of the What are you talking about didn't understand? Well, you're saying... you get the big spoon at the end of each episode. You are you know? making the mistake, Adam, that I don't understand what the show is doing. Oh, I get it. <laughs> I just don't like it. That's fair. Is what I'm saying to you. It's the it, you know what the show is. The show is is that's my bush. <laughs> do you remember that show on Comedy yes, Central yes, before nine eleven happened? Uh-huh. Yes, that, I do. That show is exactly what this show is. That was a pretty good show. I like this. No, show. it wasn't. It was the same exact thing that this show is doing right now. It, it is. It is the. Oh, isn't this really great? What we're doing? We're hitting every single beat of a of a stale old sitcom from from the 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 halcyon days of yore, and and then we also have these little tiny hints that we're going to drop in very occasionally but we want to kind of keep those out of the way because we want to learn how the magic show is going to go see i i think there's so much there that's beyond that though that's that's my my biggest complaint where the spoon feeding comes from is it's like at the end of that first episode they were finishing like wait i'm afraid people are going to watch this and think this is the show so we better put that part in the end where somebody's watching a monitor and they're pulling a plug and all this kind of stuff like, like, I mean, they basically ripped that scene off straight from the final episode of Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't get the reference at all. Is that, is that it's, a thing? It's a, it's a, it's a puppet show that you might like because it's really weird. Oh, well then I might check it out. <laughs> I think I saw it once. It did, uh, it, it did feel disturbing. Uh, let's go to four because it feels like, uh, you know, a little bit of the same here in a way. So Marvel's got a reputation uh, for doing the same thing over and over and with great results. It seems to be working for them so far. And fans often say things that they want new things, but when they're given those new things, they often spit that back up in the face of the person feeding it to them. So why is it so difficult, especially for nerds, to accept new ideas? Because this is certainly different than anything we've gotten from Marvel previously. We lack insight. First off, I just want to say that we don't know ourselves and I'm speaking broadly on behalf of all of fandom, but we, we don't actually know what we want because so many people, if you give them exactly what they want, they would hate it. Yeah. And that, and that there was, I mean, the, episode seven was very much like that where it was like okay you say you don't want having said that (laughs) having said that i would compare this to like date night is on tuesday and you always take your significant other to the same italian restaurant every tuesday and he or she says you know what next week why don't we do something different i'm gonna let you choose and spice it up and the next thing they know they're at like a pit bull fight like like different (laughs) different just for being different doesn't always work out well, is it like in the back of a barn or is it like a really high class operation? <laughs> How about this? It's in the back of a mid-level barn. What's the food vendor situation like? Is it food trucks? 
What's going on? Because you got to eat, clearly. It's not entry-level chicken fighting. Yeah, we'll change it from dog fighting to chicken fighting. It, it's not entry-level, but it's also not like top of the bush either. No, it's a mid-level. That's fine. That's where you want to be, really, because it can be too bougie and it can be too trashy. You want to be in For the middle. For sure. For sure. <laughs> you want to go to five? Sure. Uh, oh, wow. I just uh, glitched a little bit. Okay. I suspect they released two episodes to start because the powers that be did not have a lot of confidence in the first episode. Do you guys think that might be the case? Yes. 100% yes. Yeah, especially given the first episode, and like you said, with the little ending tacked on there. If and that had just been the thing, I th- here's what I here's the scenario, right? If they would have just put out that first episode, everyone would have been like, "Oh, what is this? Very strange, very odd. I don't, not quite sure what to make of this." And then if we would have waited a week and come and gotten episode two right after, if you think Sean's mad now, you could not imagine how angry he would be if we made him wait an entire week between these two episodes. No, 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 no. You get, no, man, you, you, you got it all wrong. You got it all wrong, <laughs> Poetress. See, here, here is where my anger stems from. I do not find this hard to follow. I do not find this like like strange and weird and like just a totally different new thing. To me, this is the oldest, lamest thing in the world. So when like at the end of the first episode of this, I I would have been like, man, I sure hope episode two is different. In between those two things, I wouldn't have been pissed. What really, really uh, stirred my mustard was when I was hit the end of the second episode and realized, oh, they're just going to do this for nine episodes. It's going to be this just like slowly parsing out information to you over time to the point where like probably the last episode, maybe the last two episodes, maybe are going to be like watching an actual Marvel TV show. And I just I just happen to think that once we get to, let's just call it the end of this season, that you'll look back at all of these episodes and go, oh, that's what I think is going to happen. No. <laughs> no, right. I'm not. I think, because, I think so. Because, because they're not, there's no, it's not like there's this big trail of breadcrumbs to get to the thing. Like, like it's so clear cut what they're doing that like I it's not like oh oh the oh the real fun we had was the journey along the way like there <laughs> that isn't going to happen this time <laughs> and I think it came to, as a surprise to everybody when we uh, logged on and there were two episodes there like I don't think they really promoted that and when I saw there were two episodes the first thing that went through my mind was well this could be bad. <laughs> it tells me they didn't have enough confidence. They didn't drop two episodes of The Mandalorian to start it off. No. Now, granted, okay, when we talk about the ends of episodes, the end of the first uh, Mandalorian episode, it, it was, was it was such a giant drop on everybody that everyone was like, wait a minute, we're doing what now? That's That was the biggest thing. Now, this does not have that kind of moment for sure, certainly not of that you know monumental level that will, you know, Let's face it. Change, change the way we think about a lot of stuff with 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 uh, with uh, the baby. That's what we'll call it. If you haven't seen the Mandalorian, and if you haven't, what's wrong with you? What's what planet are you on? How are you listening to this show as well? Seems weird. Uh, but mm, 
I don't know. I'm I'm just I'm excited to see what else they're doing because to me this just doesn't feel like the the same old same old. I I think they felt like modern audiences needed some kind of guarantee that future episodes would be in color, not black and white. And I'm not making a joke. I no, honestly I think, think there are people right. who would check out if they thought it was all black and white. I totally yeah. think you're right on that. I, I agree with that because people are quite strange like that. Let's go to six. Bruce, how close is this stupid show to the comic books that I'm sure every nerd everywhere always will bring up when speaking about this stupid show? Why, I'm glad you asked that question, Sean. I have a video addressing that on my YouTube channel, which you can find on uh, YouTube <laughs> if you search for Bruce Leslie, talking about the uh, relationship of Wanda and Vision. But to answer your question... It's like most of what they do. It's got some elements there. You know, episode two ends with the surprise pregnancy that did not happen in the traditional manner. That's from the comics. You know, the deal with the twins is going to be something from the comics. Uh, there's a couple of at least one character that I think is from the comics, though they changed her name. And uh, we'll just have to see how it plays out. But it's it's like, you know, there are these things that happen in the comics and they're happening here, but they're happening in a totally different way. All right. Yeah, I, I had seen, obviously, Bruce's video there on YouTube and a couple other things talking about different scenarios, but none of them really seem to at least one-for-one one kind of line up with anything, right, Bruce? Not that I can quite uh, notice. There Vision, seems to be elements Vision of trying everything. to hold a job, Vision working for that computer company and trying to blend in as a regular person. comes A, a lot of that, I think, comes from the Tom King Vision miniseries, which is wonderful and has no Wanda in it, but it, it does seem to to evoke uh, some things from the comics without being a direct, uh, I don't know, adaptation. Yeah, but at the same time, also not being like a David S. Goyer kind of thing, where it's like, I just pulled the names. <laughs> oh, man. I wish I could remember the show or the podcast, but I heard somebody say that what a movie needed to be better was some David Goyer, and I had to turn it off. Oh, man, that would <laughs> immediately make me shut it off. One His name review. is Vision, but he's not a robot, and he walks around with a baseball bat. <laughs> Here's the thing. Yeah, his name is Vision, but he's blind. That'll blow their mind. Yeah, you know, huh? not bets. <laughs> All right, let's go on to seven. What do you guys think of the uh, supporting cast so far? we got a couple of uh, familiar faces out there. I like Catherine Hahn. Is that her name, Catherine yeah. Hahn? Yeah, Catherine yep. Hahn. I love her in everything that she's in. Those uh, those yep. moms movies are like she makes those flicks. Yep, she's, she's the best part of those movies. She's the best part of Step Brothers. She's the best part of this show. Yeah, she she's pretty great. And Deborah Jo Rupp there coming in as you know from her long string of eight billion different uh, you know TV shows, including that '70s show where I think most people would probably oh, recognize yeah. well, of her. Of course, people are going to love her. She gives us some sitcom street cred. Yeah, uh, and she was uh, one of my favorite little uh, little sh uh, moments from her was in uh, she played like Jerry's like agent or manager in Seinfeld for like an episode. Where oh, she was just, I, don't, I don't recall that, but I have to go check it out again. She was overly protective and told him every little thing that would go down whenever. So she just kind of micromanaged his entire life. She's pretty good. Uh, but yeah, I, I like all the kind of um, the ancillary characters here. And when you watch a second time. I like with, the dude with the fake mustache. What are you talking about? That's a fake mustache? <laughs> thing was beautiful. Uh, but so far, and uh, of course, we got... Uh, Oh, well, I can't remember her name. Uh, the the lady that plays uh, Monica Rambo. She's what? Monica oh, Rambo, yeah. man. Yeah. 
What do you mean, spoiler? We're all here. Monica was a little kid last time I saw her. I didn't know she had grown up that fast. Well, yeah. I mean, well, everybody, she, what what other thing was she, was she in? This is not the first time we've seen her as an adult. No, am I wrong? Yes, it is. And it's, we're not supposed to know that yet. Well, that's who she is. (laughs) I don't, I haven't seen, I, I haven't seen a single thing that that, that actress is in, um, but I like I know that she's in like Chirac and Dear White People and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I, like the original uh, Dear White People, I did see that one in there, and uh, you know, a couple of things. But I, I, I'll tell you this: she is one of those people that you go, "Oh my God, just the most perfect teeth ever!" Oh, yeah. I love it. Yes, she's, she's just a beautiful teeth. lady, and then she's you know smiles and just like just the most perfect, picture perfect teeth. I love it. Don't drop the ball on Paul Bettany's teeth either. They are they are so perfect that I think they might be fake. Those are yeah, those are 100% yeah. There's not there's not a, a, a non man made tooth in his English mouth. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? What do you have perfect dentistry over here? Yeah, that's how he sounds. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> What's the next one? Nine, ten? I forget. I think it's eight. Eight. So this question is primarily for Adam. Did the retro television aspect ratio put you off at all? No, I loved it. And I loved how when the show itself starts out, you've got the Alan Silvestri Marvel theme and everything. It's blaring through 5.1. And as it goes on and gets down to the black and white WandaVision, goes from that you know wide cinemascope aspect right to 4.3. And then all the audio goes right up front in kind of this kind of fake mono sound, which is fantastic. And in none of the, uh, at least none that I could tell, and I monitored pretty well, no back surrounds in any of the episode. Oh, wow, really? So it's very all kind of made to have this super mono sound. All of the dialogue and everything does come out of the center channel, and a bit of the uh, music and audience goes out of the left and right channels. Uh, But it gives a very kind of... Uh, monorail sound coming out of it. And I really like that as well. The only finally real- something I can watch on my 13 inch CRT TV that I still have. <laughs> yes. Now the only thing that I why kinda- do you still carry that thing around? <laughs> it's convenient in case somebody breaks into the house. It's the heaviest weapon I own. <laughs> But I to uh, and I know why they didn't because it's the modern times and everything. But if they could have shot this these two episodes in sixteen millimeter black and white, it would have just been amazing because you could tell it was color. Just they just made it black and white. Yeah. Uh, but it really would have given that super quality. But I know there's probably some special effects in there that we don't even see. You know, there's a lot of yeah. the fake special effects with the wires and whatnot. But I'm not talking about those. But there are probably other CGI special effects that we don't realize. So I'm sure that that's why they needed as high a resolution as they did. But man, that would have made it just another little notch above if they would have gone 60 millimeter black and white. But I get it. And I think we've also reached this point where suddenly, like the the old school is way more expensive than to just film it digitally and do it in post. Like when Seth Rogen talked about on preacher, how much more expensive it was to actually just make fake planets hanging from strings and film it than it was to CGI it. (laughs) You just give some guy up and, you know, one of those, uh, just small effects houses and stuff. Give that guy 50 bucks. He's super excited for the gig. Yeah. Number nine. Number nine, I've never liked the trope. Can you call it a trope of fake sitcom unless there's something else to it? Think the flashback and natural born killers. The same way way that some people have an adverse effect with satire. Is there a style that you guys particularly don't like? Uh, I 
I always have a weird, I, I like them to a certain degree only because how corny they are, but I don't like very special episodes. <laughs> or, oh man, I love those. Those, It's always just like, hey, I tuned into different strokes for a good time. And you're going to get this like, you know, it's an important lesson to be learned for sure. But I don't need to be bummed out. I, I came to laugh. This is when, uh, what is it? Joe Namath tells you a very important story about vapor lock. That's the very special episode. <laughs> exactly. Puts his <laughs> hand on your shoulder. Let me tell you something, son. For me, I don't like dream sequences. And I really don't like like when a whole episode is just a dream. Um, and that was more of an 80s sitcom thing. I also don't like it when they make it so you can't tell what's the dream and what's real. Um, that's why it was hard for me to get my claws into Legion in the first few episodes, but eventually I, I caught on to that. So I guess for me, it's, it's like when the, when the people making the show are trying to show you that they're smarter than you are, I don't really care for that. No, who could be smarter than you, Bruce? Come on. That's well, that, that how much do, time you guys have. That Sit doesn't back. exist. <laughs> it's a long list. Uh, th- yeah, I just, for me, I, I understand, I feel like I understand at least why they're kind of doing the fake sitcom deal while we're going through time and all that kind of stuff. So that particularly doesn't bother me, that I can say. I, I was I was really banging my head together because I, I know that I liked somebody has done it correctly. And weirdly, it's Oliver Stone who did it correctly. It's so weird that it's him. But the uh, uh, that natural born killer sequence, knowing her past and the way that they convey that information is it's basically pitch perfect the way they do it. And that is uh, one of the main parts that Tarantino was like, no, I don't like this. This is terrible. That's not what I wrote. Goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) It is. It's weird. It's like, from what I understand, where his career is, the guy should have paid attention. (laughs) (laughs) He knows what's what. Uh, let's go to question 10 here. Uh, is is the conceit that we've seen so far here, are Wanda and Vision more like they're in Pleasantville or the Truman Show? Well, it's uh, going to be... Go ahead, Sean. I think... Here, here, Here's my two bits on this. It feels like what they're going to tell us eventually is that Wanda set up this like pocket universe thing and now they're stuck and, and because there's a, another entity, I'm guessing it's Catherine Hahn's character that's keeping them from being able to go into like the regular universe again. Just a guess. Uh, but, I, you know, you don't you don't hire Catherine Hahn to do nothing. And so that's that's my guess is that she she is the character that's keeping them there and that they're going to be, you know, like probably around uh jesus what feels like 2027 uh we're going it, that reveal is going to happen <laughs> hey yeah it's, it's, it's we come from the uh, oh you didn't realize that brian michael bendis co-wrote uh, all the, <laughs> you'll well, you'll see so it in six weeks don't worry what i'm seeing here i don't think that it's that much like the truman show um and i haven't seen pleasantville so other than black and white and color being mixed together i don't know what the parallel would be there but I think there's a broken conceit. Uh, I think that the conceit that maybe would work here is similar to a movie, the name of which I can't recall. Maybe you guys can. But this guy takes a group of folks from a mental hospital out on a day trip and shenanigans ensue. And one of the uh, 
uh, residents of the mental institution that's out with him only speaks in baseball terms. So like when he has to go to the bathroom really bad, he goes batter up, batter up, you know, home run grants. He will only speak in baseball terms. So I think this would work if we knew some of Wanda's backstory, like when, when she was being experimented on uh, to become the Scarlet Witch and she was trapped in that cage in Europe that the only solace she had was watching sitcoms on TV. So now that she's in her compromised state, be it a coma or interdimensional wandering, she frames it in sitcom terms because that feels safe to her or, or it provides her comfort after the loss. But they didn't lay down the groundwork ahead of time for that to play out. But I feel like they're going to say, oh, yeah, you all know how she loved watching sitcoms when she was in that cage being experimented on with her <laughs> twin brother. I, I don't need the, I don't know that we need to know that ahead of time. But I think if we need if we when we and I think that we will find that out of that, that was the, you know, what what kind of spurred this particular kind of, if you will, vision on is that, you know, those were the things that she watched that seemed like it had some sort of a. Uh, uh, normality in everything, you know, opposite of what, what she had, some sort of weird idealistic thing that, you know, you saw, you know, coming on TV in the 50s and leading into the 60s and sometimes even to 70s and stuff. But how the progression of television went on was more getting was getting closer and closer to what represented actual reality, you know, quote unquote. Uh, and I, I think this is going to be that same way. This is her fighting to get to whatever that reality is because she's in a place that clearly she doesn't know where she is or exactly what's going on. She knows the relationship between the two of them but and has a vague idea, much like the sitcoms, has a vague idea of what's going on but can't really fill in all the blanks where they need to. And that's what I think this show is going to eventually uh, become is filling in those blanks. And is the movie you're thinking of the Dream Team with Michael Keaton? It sounds like it. Because, yeah, except for the baseball thing. At first, I was just like, well, that's One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. And then the baseball no, no, thing no. came into play, and I'm like, that's not right. <laughs> I remember One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest pretty well. Uh, let's go to question number tw uh, 11. 11, rather. Excuse me. Do you have a favorite sitcom reference in the first two episodes? And if it helps clarify, I'm happy to answer first. Well, I'll, we'll let you go first because I got I got one in the pocket. Yeah, I got mine too. But because for me, I think that the the one moment where it was like you know like Captain America when he hears flying monkeys, I get that reference. The moment <laughs> I was really proud of is in the sort of fake intro on the first episode when Vision is carrying uh, uh, Wanda across the threshold and into the house, and he almost trips over the chair. And Damn that it, always, that was mine. Oh, the running gag from the Dick Van Dyke show, which I think is the best black and white comedy that people overlook. I, I don't know if that makes sense. It, it, it was like a proto Seinfeld. And I, I, I want to point something out because a lot of people don't really remember this as well as they should, because everybody remembers Dick, Dick Van Dyke tripping over the Ottoman, which most of the time that he did. But there were several episodes where he sidesteps the Ottoman. Yes, it was like a couch gag, however many years before The Simpsons. Yeah, it was called, which one are we going to do? And it, it was mostly fall, but every now and then they'd sneak in a quick one like, oh, gah, boom, missed it and everything. And that's, that's what I liked was more of that sort of reference. But really... I think I love the um, the the bewitched opening, the kind of weird animated bewitched opening. I thought that was great. You got anything else to throw in there, Sean? No, you you nailed it. I mean, that's... And, and another reference I like that came in the second episode, not the first, so it wasn't my answer. But she's wearing the capri pants pantsuits that 
Mary Tyler Moore was almost scandalous for wearing those in a sitcom and everybody else in their dresses at the ladies meeting are commenting on her pants, you know, and I thought that's also like a Dick Van Dyke lover is making this show. Well, that's, that's also bewitched. Yeah. But Mary Tyler Moore did it famously, man. But there, yeah. the, but that, and that's also the same thing as it like, cause the first episode is a bit more like, you know, kind of your late fifties sitcoms. Then we get into second episode. We're in kind of more sixties and, and also into bewitched the 70s early again. seasons, black and white, late seasons, color. Mm-hmm. So we get colorized at the end of that second episode. That's where it lands. Uh, do, 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 do. Number 12. The only part of this show I actually like were the commercials. What's your favorite part? Uh, well, I sure as heck wasn't the commercials for me. Go ahead, Adam. <laughs> you didn't like the commercials? Because I thought the commercials were great. I thought uh, it, it's an interesting thing because, first of all, when the first fade out comes, I'd be like, wouldn't it be hilarious if they had commercials? And they faded up. And I didn't think it was a commercial at first, but like two seconds in, I'm like, oh, my God, they made a commercial. Good for you, show. And then when you uh, realize that it's it's about you know a toaster, stark toaster, so you get a little bit of that kind of, all right, something's going on in the world here. It's not exactly what we quite remember. And then with the second one where it's you know, Strucker watches and you got the little Hydra symbol on there and everything, we're, we're leaving uh, uh, some crumbs out there. Mm-hmm. Man, the the first commercial that popped up, my mind went, okay, so this is Harvey Corman's cooking show on the Christmas special. It's not that bad. Special. Oh, my Lord. Come on now. It, it's <laughs> like, it, and, and particularly that first episode when I'm really getting impatient for the show to get going into what the greater narrative is going to be, I felt like that commercial was an even more superfluous waste of my time. And now, by little end, did you know that the biggest hints dropped are in the commercials. Well, we'll see how that plays out. I don't know yet, especially that first commercial. The second one, maybe. I don't know as much about that first one. Now, speaking of that first one, let's go to question 13 with these uh, commercials in mind. How does a toaster not only toast bread, but also meatloaf, apple pie, and an open-faced cheese sandwich? Is Stark just that good? First off, I can tell you from experience, any toaster can toast meatloaf if you're dedicated to toasting your meatloaf. (laughs) It's a toaster oven. Yeah, but it but at the same time, it pops in just like regular toast. Because I had the you same right. thought, but it you just are, goes right, right in the top. And I'm like, well, maybe it'll feed it out the bottom. And that's what, no, it pops right up like toast. I don't know. <laughs> All you have to do, you lay the toaster on its side. You put the slice of cheese on the bread. You stick it in there and you get an open face cheese sandwich and a very messy toaster at the end. Yeah. I Was it just my parents that, that were like... They were big on the open face cheese sandwich for like a long time. Were we just super poor? Was that what was going on? They're like, you know, no, no, no. You get one piece of bread and some crap yeah. cheese, not two pieces of there, bread. You're- there's not much that gets sympathy for me because I grew up in very humble beginnings. But if you can only afford one piece of bread for your sandwiches, you got my sympathy. <laughs> That's how it was. I, they I, just put it under the broiler I, for a second. I, I think it makes sense because you're going to get a hell of a lot more flavor if there's just the one piece of bread. As a, but I, I mean, I never had open face cheese toast. That, no, but like I did have, I did have like open face turkey sandwiches and stuff, and that stuff was great. Yeah, yeah, I've I've had some hot browns; they're pretty good. But 
you can try to guess the first thing I would do if somebody handed me an open face cheese sandwich. Where's the rest of this sandwich? If I know Bruce. No, nope, I'm not even going to waste my breath. I'm just going to fold it in half uh, and eat it like a half a cheese sandwich. Well, if anything, you get half a double cheese sandwich at that point. So it's kind of like you know you really. I mean, I, that's how I'm you not look trying at it, to right? flex on people, but I always put two slashes of cheese on my cheese sandwich. Ooh, Mr. Richie Rich over there, Rockefeller. Moonsterly. I got two pieces of bread. Go to 14. <laughs> the apple pie is the one I was calling BS on. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I put pie in a toaster. I, listen, it's if you call the Pop Tart, <laughs> an apple Pop Tart, do they make those? It's they your turn, too, Brad. Yes, it's do. your turn. <laughs> is Agnes so named because it's sort of like a contraction of Agatha Harkness? A lot of people are going towards this, and I, I like it as a theory. When I first heard Agnes, my first thought was Agnes Moorhead from Bewitched because, you know, she's great. Yeah. Double works. Uh, but I, I certainly think that that is the case. People are talking about the uh, the brooch an awful lot, how that was yeah. very much uh, like something uh, Harkness had. Yeah. Now, I, I got I to gotta say, I think that the, the very smart people who are making this show – uh, are doing all of that on purpose. I think that that's the point. Now, now, Bruce, uh, throw our, uh, you know, maybe not so comic booky uh, listeners who Agatha Harkness kind of is. So Agatha Harkness is a legitimate, like, witch, like practices witchcraft. No mutant powers, no eye of Agamotto. She's just a good old-fashioned witch. And she serves as a mentor for uh, many story arcs for the Scarlet Witch to help her better understand how witchcraft can help her guide her mutant power. And then uh, uh, James Robinson, the guy who's really well known for his wonderful Starman run, he wrote a, uh, I think it was a limited series Scarlet Witch story in which uh, magic was broken and Agatha Harkness had to walk, had to sort of serve as a guide to walk Scarlet Witch through repairing that. So I think she's here to guide Scarlet Witch through whatever is going on here. Also important to note, most recently, Agatha Harkness has been a ghost. Like she's a witch who died years back, and now it's her ghost that you see. And I think that this could indeed be a ghost when we're seeing Agnes. Hey, we might want to turn the recorder off because uh, Ghost Witch uh, is a great idea for, well, basically anything. <laughs> ghost Witch. All right. Uh, ghost witch. Or how about witch ghost spelled like a witch, but with a question mark at the end. So people don't know how you intend that. Witch ghost. Yes. Ghost witch, witch ghost. <laughs> Open face cheese sandwich ghost. Terrible. Mm. What, what's the next question? 15. <laughs> if you're able to recreate something so perfectly that is virtually indistinguishable from the product you've originated from, should you do it? No, no, you should not. In my opinion, no, you should not. And I got a problem with maybe they're recreating things a little too faithfully here, but usually we've moved on for a reason. And if you want nostalgia, then go watch the real deal. I, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm a, I can be inconsistent in my answer. So I'm going to shut up and hear Adam's clearly well thought out answer. I mean, my thought is, is that Yes, it, it is exactly like those things. Adam, you missed the perfect opportunity to just have a fart noise and then we move on to the next one. <laughs> it's true, though. 
uh, no, I, I think that there's a lot behind behind actually what's going on here. And I think as, as faithful recreations as a lot of these things tend to be, I think there is a reason behind all of those things that will be uh, delivered to us in short, hopefully short order form. <laughs> but, Boy, I hope that's short order. Yeah. <laughs> don't take too awful long with it. I don't, I don't necessarily need Sometimes that. when a person does that, when it's that much of a of a faithful recreation, I just want to say, okay, here's your gold star. You proved you could do it. Now let's get on with something uh, something else. Let me let me ask you this because it's not part of the questions here. But what are you guys' thoughts on just sitcoms in general? I don't know that I necessarily know all of that. It it's what I grew up on, man. I mean, it was the the best friends I had in my depressing, sad, lonely youth were sitcoms. Because I was like, I, when growing up, we were all about, you know, you know, when Nick at Night would come on, all of that crap. Everything from Bewitched, I Love Lucy. So, like, all of this stuff is so directly, you know, up my alley. And I, I loved sitcoms all the way up till really around the year 2000 even. Uh, there's something about a stupid sitcom formula that just still works. I mean, we have 30 years worth of The Simpsons. You may not like all of those you know, years and everything. Certainly there's debate for them, but there's something to be said about a sitcom and, and, and those tropes and stuff, and being able to do them at least well enough has always kind of worked for me. Yeah, I'm, I was probably the world's only 14-year-old diehard Dick Van Dyke show fan, so there you go. <laughs> When I started uh, doing comedy for real, uh, it, it was such a bummer because I could see the seams in every, like every sitcom and it, it, things that I enjoyed growing up watching. I could see all of it, and it it was a bummer because it was like, oh man, I used to like that show, and now all I see is the work. Sometimes I like. Sometimes the work is like, "Hey, I know what's kind of coming," and I, I like like a magician that knows the, how things are done. Sometimes they just like to watch magic to be like, "Well, let me just see how you do it," and they're like, "I know how you do it, but I'd like to see it executed well." Sixteen. I like sitcoms. <laughs> <laughs> 16. Which do you find more insane? The fact that the director of this series is one of the most celebrated Game of Thrones directors. He only directed one episode, but it apparently was one of the top 10. Don't ask me which one because I don't know. Or that he directed 48 episodes of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Or that he was on Saved by the Bell. Which is the most outrageous? Uh, obviously on Saved by the Bell. I mean, anybody who who's had firsthand accounts of Zach Morris and his phone gets, I mean, that that trumps everything else. See, I don't even see. Technically, he was on. Uh, it was uh, "Welcome Back, Miss Bliss" or whatever, which was. Oh, that's even better. That's Why even, didn't he just put that in there? Well, "Welcome be, Back." Well, Miss because Bliss. most people know won't know saying. what I'm talking about, and that's why you have to say <laughs> "Saved by the Bell." Because if you do that, you're like, "Well, that's a show I've never heard of. Why would I care?" Now, who Who was he on "Welcome Back, Miss Bliss"? Who, I don't even know who directed this. Oh, I, I. You're asking questions that I don't have anything pulled up for me right now. But it okay. was. No, it was not. He wasn't it was like Screech. Georgie Winslow. I wish that was that real. Please tell yes. me. Yes, his name is Georgie Winslow on Good Morning, Miss Bliss. Was he the dark-haired kid in the leather jacket? I have no idea. Okay, because I, I, I didn't even know. I'm I'm just going through his filmography right now because it just seems impossible that the guy who was one of the kids on Just the Ten of Us also directed an episode of Game of Thrones. <laughs> 
So game, which Game of Thrones episode? Am I putting everybody on the spot? Nobody, again? nobody it knows. Was, it Adam, was more, Adam did half research. I yes, that's true. And and, and I and, and I didn't care. That was the biggest thing. If I would have cared, I would I would have put it in there. But I hey, I got the Miss Bliss reference. Come on, I did I did one third of the work. It's fine. He directed two episodes of Game of Thrones. Was one of them Battle of the Bastards? It was a battle of something. There, I, there was a fight in it, from what I'm to understand. I don't know how the, oh. how often that happens in a Game of Thrones episode, but I'm reliably informed fighting was going on. Okay, so that can take three episodes out of the eight seasons off the board. But it's it's it, hey, look, from what I understand, it wasn't one of the last ones that everybody hated, so that should be good. Seventeen. <laughs> Any thoughts on who slash what or why Geraldine is? Because I don't think she's just a random supporting character like most of the other ladies. Yeah. So Adam, Flip you... Wilson used to have this character that he did. Yes. On Laughing, where he played a lady, Geraldine. And it seems like every other thing to come from that, everything from Big Mama's house to you know whatever the, the you know, anyway. I will say I'm this. Sorry, keep going. She's better looking. The, than... the Martin show, uh, Shanene. Yeah, Shanene. Yeah, that's a Geraldine type. Uh, she's far better looking than uh, than Martin Lawrence or <laughs> or what's his nose there, uh, Flip Wilson. Uh, yeah. So this is it's been it's come out. Uh, this is Monica Rambo in one way, yes. shape, or form, or at least she's playing yes. Monica Rambo at a later time in the. Uh, in the Marvel universe and everything. So here's my next question then, since, since the cat was out of the bag that this is Monica Rambeau, which I didn't know when I was watching the show, by the way, uh, I totally, uh, that caught me by surprise when I was reading a recap. So I was thinking that she might've been Abigail brand. And I wonder if maybe some of what Abigail brand did in the comics will now be done by Monica Lambeau because Abigail brand would fit real well with what's going on in these first two episodes. Hmm, okay, how so? Fill us in on that. Well, Abigail Brand is the former agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. who became the founder, I guess, the director of S.W.O.R.D. And we oh. get a lot of S.W.O.R.D. references mm-hmm. here. And uh, we'll get into that more in a bit. And I could see Monica Rambeau being a contemporary of Captain Marvel, her maybe being interested in the space equivalent of S.H.I.E.L.D., which is what S.W.O.R.D. is. Yeah. So I think she might be here trying to infiltrate. Agent of S-words. <laughs> I got uh, I got another theory on that that will come down in the uh, in a couple episodes or uh, uh, questions to come rather. All right, eighteen. Eighteen. While watching, Mrs. Sweet Johnsy said, "Vision is better looking as a robot." Agree or disagree? I think so. <laughs> I think that's correct. I gotta tell you, she has a point because there is there is something that makes him more handsome being in the makeup. After the episode was over, if I checked your Google search history, <laughs> would I find how to look more like a robot on there, sweet Shanti? Uh, I have no problem with my physical appearance. Uh, <laughs> I think I'm quite handsome does, indeed but, already. But robot, but does robot Paul Bettany, but no, robot Paul sure. Bettany. It's like, you know, <laughs> you take something that's already good and you make it better. I, I'm waiting for a little robot Shanzi to show up. You got I would your... say that Paul Bettany is doing just fine. Uh, yeah. He's doing he's doing pretty good. Uh, okay, not bad for that guy, I'll tell you. Uh, but no, it is weird. He does like when you saw like his his regular face, you're like, that looks kind of funny. What's going yeah. on there? The, now, the, how come he's not purple? 
<laughs> that rubber mask is totally unbelievable. Oh, there's the robot version. That's believable. <laughs> 19. Uh, this show reportedly cost a lot of money to produce, and word is that a large bit of that money went to special effects. If you were an executive that wasn't paying a whole lot of attention when the show was being made, how confused would you be with what you've seen so far put to screen? It's far more expensive to take something expensive and make it look cheap than it is to just make it cheap in the first place. It's true. But uh, my guess is, is obviously we're going to get to a lot of crazy magic within the next couple of episodes and stuff. But and again, I think as technology progresses in the uh, in the time format, so to speak, you know, going from 50s to 60s to 70s and on, perhaps the level of special effects will uh, incline uh, concurrently. (laughs) This just in their number one special effect was uh, getting Paul Bettany to look like a robot. So he'd be more handsome. (laughs) The you know I, I I know that they're they're saying it's the special effects. However, I I think that this is all a fake out because you cannot lure the two leads of this show away from movies to work on this project without a whole lot of money to get them to do it. Well, Paul Bettany's thing was uh, he thought when he was brought into the Marvel Studios office that he was being fired. Right. And said I, they weren't going to have <laughs> me ask me back for it anymore. Well, you know, at the same time. But then they were like, okay, well, no, we actually want you to be in a sitcom. And then he demanded $12 million an episode. I'll tell you this. Uh, Vision would be definitely dead if he asked for $12 million an episode <laughs> for this show. There's no way. No way. That's They'd why be like, I'm yet to be cast in anything Marvel does. <laughs> I want friends money, says Paul Bettany. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care if the show's never been on the air. I want that money. <laughs> Nuts. Number 20. Do you have any speculation about the toy helicopter in the bushes? Well, it's got the sword logo on it. We know that much. That's uh, That's the only thing that I can you know, really pull from it. I, I like the fact that it's in color and that's the weird thing. And, uh, you know, Catherine Hahn's character comes over to distract her away from looking at that. She drops it at that point. So it's no longer, you know, out of sight, out of mind. And I have to continue on this quote unquote life that I'm living. So I have to just kind of go along with whatever the narrative here is. Yeah. yeah that, that very scene is why I think that Catherine Hahn is more than she is supposed to be and not just because of her name um because of that scene i was like ah she's up to something and she's always and we'll we'll talk about a little later but she's always suggesting things and pointing the characters in the you know the right directions or the directions that she feels that they need to go so Mm -hmm. and uh this isn't my theory it's one i saw uh someone else share online but the thought that that helicopter is actually a drone that Sword has sent into whatever dimension reality she's in, to and that's how they're able to observe her. They have some of these drones in the area. You figure it'd look cooler. <laughs> I think they're trying to make it look not so cool so that it doesn't care. I mean, you, you send into a 1950s world something that looks like a four-foil drone from modern era, that's going to get, you know, aliens are coming to Earth. We're going to have War of the Worlds all over again. Yeah, but the but- helicopter, maybe people would buy well, shouldn't you paint it in black and white then before you send that cat in there? You should, but then how would we know it's supernatural? I guess. I mean, well, for story purposes, dummy. I was like, well, of course. 21. 
Why does the beekeeper guy who comes out of the sewer grate have a sword logo on his back? And why is he coming out of a sewer grate? That's well, a very good question. But, uh, Bruce, I saw a thing online here. And I'm not much familiar with it. puts you on the spot. Sorry about it. But I think you're you're a smart fella. Uh, people have also thought that this might be Swarm. Does that name ring a bell to yes, you? Yes, Swarm. I think he was a member of the Sinister Six. That's what my 13-year-old son thought, was that maybe this guy is Swarm. He's a Spider-Man villain, I think, more historically, so maybe out of place. The S.W.O.R.D. logo, of course, they're they're letting us know for sure that the organization known as S.W.O.R.D. is looking for Wanda or trying to get a, a handle on the situation in one way, shape, or form, which tells me this isn't all just like a coma or, or thoughts inside of her head, but she's actually traveled somewhere outside of the Earth for this to be happening. And the guy with the S.W.O.R.D. logo on his back, like you said, Swarm is a good uh possibility except i don't know how he fits in this narrative another thought and this is a little more abstract which i would like it if they were doing this it's more legion style but the random uh the random foot soldiers from aim advanced idea mechanics they wear these hazmat suits that people jokingly say they look like beekeepers yeah i think i saw somebody else say something about a possibility for aim and everything so yeah, and that means they're bringing Aldrich Gillian, but Killian back if it's aim, right? I think so. Oh, right, I mean, right, right. Yeah, Iron Man three villain. Yeah, or Guy at least Pierce. his legacy. If they don't actually bring Guy Pierce back on account of his deadness and all, <laughs> what with the dead and all? <laughs> yeah, he did. Uh, twenty two, Adam. Twenty two. One of the main themes through these two episodes is for the children, or the idea that children keep coming into play. Do you guys have any guesses to why this could possibly be? And the fact that as much as we're talking about children, and children are brought up and bringing your kids to the school, we never once see a child in any well, of these episodes. It's because at the end of that second episode, we have that magic baby bump with Wanda and she's going to magically create twin boys, uh, you know, that in the comics are grow up to be Wiccan and speed of the young Avengers. So I think for the children, I, I really think that that uh, tragic, very tragic storyline of the twins from the comics is what this is going to try to parallel a little bit. And I hadn't, I hadn't really thought about all this cause I try as little as possible to think about the show. Uh, but the, you know, talking about aim, Having that, it sounds very culty the, to the, you know, for the children and all that stuff. That's very aimish. Uh, I think that you guys have, uh, you've touched on something here with the aim. Yeah. I don't remember Hopefully. them talking about raising any kind of barns. Okay. Remember those people that just say the word aimish like that? Oh, yeah. I love those oh, people. Okay, gotcha. You know the gotcha. aimish people? <laughs> right. Not I. I say hamish. I apologize. 23. Is that Randall Park's voice? And Randall Park played Agent Wu in Ant-Man and Wasp. But some people speculated that is Randall Park's voice coming out of the radio asking Wanda if she can hear him. I sure hope it is. Yeah. This show could use some Randall Park. <laughs> I think, yeah, it's definitely, uh, I, I think it is him. He is in the, he is in the credits and everything. Uh, but at the same time, too, when I first heard it, the funny part is, is that it always kind of goes back to that office episode where he uh, doubled his gym that one time. And, <laughs> and so for whatever reason, sometimes when I hear his voice, I, I hear Jim's voice. 
<laughs> oh, so maybe that's Reed Richards uh, on the. That on would the, be the interesting. Video. But I was, I always, at first, I'm like, is Chuck Rosinski's not on this show. It, oh, that's Randall Park. That uh, makes total sense. I, they, and it's weird because those two don't really sound like each other that much, but I don't know. That and, is and the, I, that is by far the best prank on The Office ever. Oh, it's and, so good. <laughs> Randall Park, Agent Wu feels like the next Agent Coulson. Like Agent Coulson wasn't supposed to be anything, but then people kind of liked him, so he grew into this whole thing. And and I like it that Agent Wu is going to grow into his whole thing now, I think. Well, the big thing, too, is that was Randall Park's great. He's great in everything yeah. that he's in, so you're yeah. always on board for that He was guy. even good in Aquaman. Wasn't he in Aquaman? Well, I try to forget most of Aquaman. <laughs> I don't. I maybe. Dolph Lundgren is in Aquaman, and he's great in that. Yes, That's true. Twenty-four. Uh, so twenty-four. How often do you think Elizabeth Olsen talks to her sisters? I don't. That know. is a great question because you got this weird dynamic there where her sisters are way richer than she is, but mm-hmm. she's way more famous now, mm-hmm. and and it's like. Or do they each have this bitterness towards the other? And isn't there like a fourth Olsen sister floating around out there? I think there is. I think there's one more out there that we're not. She's like, they're like Hemsworth. They keep showing up. Yeah. But but yeah, man, that is a great question just because my head nev- uh, inevitably goes to the negative side of family dynamics. Yeah. I mean, all the Culkin kids kind of hate each other to one degree or another. Uh, it's a... It's a nuts world. I couldn't imagine because those two girls, they grew up, you know, obviously on that full house and everything and then created their own little empire outside of that that, like, you know, we're not really aware of because we're not young girls. Uh, Man, but if, they, if you've ever bought, if you had a daughter and you bought clothes at Walmart, you know Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen's clothing <laughs> line well. It, so it's it's quite insane, but I think you're right. Like, Elizabeth's acting career has just been fantastic she is well, just she's, great in, she's very very talented uh, you know uh, unlike her sisters unfortunately <laughs> i hate to say that but that is the case uh there's also a, you are right there is a fourth olsen sister her name is taylor olsen and she's probably best known for get ready for it yolo the movie oh nice <laughs> see i bet she calls all three of her sisters every day what's everybody up to how, how's it going is there you got any got any projects hey, you're working uh, on you know i was looking at this new minivan and i could use a little help on the down payment <laughs> it's a windstar <laughs> it's only got twenty six thousand miles just like new 25 if uh in what way or excuse me in what can one can only assume for lack of a better word is uh the layer of sword that we see uh, that is around everywhere it's on the you know the plane that we talked about in you know in the after scene and everything in there uh we see that this show also someone is behind a roadcaster pro by their side bruce as a ro- owner of a roadcaster pro uh we know this guy's evil correct Oh, yeah. I push the right button. I can see all your skeevy dreams. <laughs> Don't you love that? I, I love that when you see a, like a prop or something in a movie or a TV show, and it's like, I, I got that. I own that. It does look like a ridiculous sci-fi prop with those bright, glowing sound pad buttons. And it's inexpensive. You know, you grab one, you throw it on the set. I'm going to start making some whole movies with this thing. I'm telling you, the reason that that was gotten put on set, somebody goes, I need one of these. Uh, <laughs> let's, um, we need, no, it's for the set. It's for the set. Where's it going after the set? I, you know, back into storage. <laughs> well, just- let me, let me explain something to you. <laughs> Disney has a lock on all of 
all of the quote props unquote that have ever come through their doors. They are, they are so meticulous with their props that if anything, I mean, anything, a pencil could go missing <laughs> and you're going to get a phone call. I'm just telling you right now, Excuse it's going to happen. Now I've got my mind blowing theory. Somebody saw a roadcaster pro thought it would look great in this scene. And instead of going online and ordering one for 600 bucks, they spent about 10 grand building their own, <laughs> Fabricating their own version. What a brilliant idea. Oh my Lord. And I wouldn't put it past sometimes with, <laughs> with shows, you know? And the guy that built it has a secret lab in his garage, and he just ordered it and sold it to him immediate, like, $9,000 profit. That's even better. Yeah, you're the guy who goes, <laughs> I'm a prop maker. Uh, you pay me $5,000 for the creation of this thing. You buy a $600 mixer and send off, it in. All he did was file off the four letters, R-O-D-E, and then brought it in. <laughs> Perfect. That's the kind of business you want to be in right there. 26. In the WandaVision universe, who is watching these shows? Taylor Olson. <laughs> oh, that's in real life. That's in real life. Taylor Olson's watching this and going, son of a... Um, I don't know. I mean, I guess the only person that we could kind of point to, you know, would be Randall Park, because that's just kind of who we've heard. But I don't think that that would be him that's kind of watching these yeah, things behind I, the broadcaster, right? I think it's somebody else staring at that screen behind the Procaster or the Roadcaster Pro. I'm sorry. Yeah, come the on. Ro Road, Road, talk to me about branding because you're doing a terrible job with the with, with this podcast line you're doing. Just we'll, we'll talk. <laughs> They're hoping 50% of the time people order the wrong thing, then have to order the other one so they'll work together. <sighs> no kidding. What are we on here? 27. Number 27. There's nine episodes this season. If it's 95% sitcom, 5% explanation for every single episode, we're in for a very, very long seven weeks. Do you guys want to start talking about 80s and 90s Boston Red Sox trivia to pass the time? Was Oil Can Boyd a reliever for the Red Sox in the 80s? He was not a reliever. He was a starting pitcher in the 80s. I'm not qualified. I got that one wrong. <laughs> and I, I, I'm i out completely because... Uh, I'm just very impressed that you knew who Oil Can Boyd was. Hey, I was a baseball card collector. Wasn't it nice. Dennis Oil Can Boyd? It was, in fact, Dennis Oil Can Boyd. And he is a coach right now in the big leagues. How do you oh, figure man. one I've comes about... All my, I've still got all my Bill Buckner cards. How does one go about the name oil can, though? How do you figure that? Because he never gets rusty. Don't you get it? Okay, I do now. I'm just like, maybe uh, I, was I thought just... he put motor oil on his pitches or something like spitballs. Big, uh, you know, uh, Wizard of Oz fan or something. I don't know. We're killing all the nerds with, with all of this. We are indeed. <laughs> Let's go to 28 then. Now, we reviewed FX uh, show Legion on Hero Movie Podcast. Listen to HMP uh, wherever you find podcasts. Bruce was the one that we had to drag along kicking and screaming, and he eventually turned the corner on one of the best superhero TV shows in the last five years. As it concerns WandaVision, will Sean be the new Bruce for this series? I say no. I don't think Sean turns. I don't think Sean Ooh. makes the turn like I did. My, I, my. I totally, I look, I, I, I do see that I, I can be bullet headed when it comes to certain things. What? I want this show to be great. I want to tune in. I need a new Mandalorian. Damn it. <laughs> this show needs to be good. And it's just not my, my cup of tea. I, I'm, I'm seeing a scenario where the Martez sister storyline didn't work, even though the season worked. And let's say let's say the last two episodes you think are brilliant, Sean. I think you're still going to say you didn't like the season as a whole. Could be. 
But the if these one? first two episodes end up being the Martez sisters, so to speak, uh, would you be okay with that? If it just got on the ground running at this point, or are we too far gone? Oh, no, 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 man. Like, I mean, you know, the Martez sisters was what? what that was two episodes? It felt, it like, felt like four. <laughs> it did feel like four. Then, And this feels like four episodes as well. But, you know, I, I was able to, I, I, I'm able to say that the, that last season of Clone Wars is a great season, even though there's those two episodes in the middle. Uh, if something has a bad start, it doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad show. Like, you know, most most sitcoms are that way. You know, the first episode of 30 Rock, which is my favorite sitcom of all time, has a terrible pilot. And so to to have two bad episodes in a row, maybe they are able to turn it around. Who knows? But I also could be totally bullet-headed, and this could go for another four four episodes. And they and and it's going to be more of me yelling at Adam. Yeah. Hey, I I have no book series that don't get good to the twelfth book, so it happens. <laughs> Twenty nine, Bruce. Do you think it might have been a better strategy to capture the audience by starting with a modern style sitcom and working backwards in style? I think it would help with kids watching the show. Yeah, I uh, I think that was at first when I saw this question, Bruce, I was just like, that's it sounds like kind of an easy, reductive way to do it. But it would be almost interesting to see that kind of go backwards. But I think I understand why they're going, you know, uh, kind of chronological, so to speak, in that it is really about, like, like I said, people from the 50s, 60s and 70s going on uh, television, getting more to represent, you know, what the real world was, more or less. I'm just going to say this, like if the first episode was a friend's homage, you don't know how many. Uh, housewives would have been checking out Wanda and Vision just because they love Friends. They've already true. seen every episode. And a weird it's thing, true. a whole bunch of kids too, because kids love Friends these days. I don't know why my, it is. My but... my girls love Friends. We love yeah, it. I, I told you on one of our uh, Patreon ha- hangouts how much my ten year old loves Friends. But but also then the closer they come to extracting her, or the closer she comes from reaching whatever conclusion will be reached, the deeper she tries to bury herself in sitcom. So we go back in time in terms of the style. I, I think that would have worked on a couple of levels, but also it would have helped capture the audience on the first episode. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's certainly why we have two episodes going into it, at least that the uh, kind of quote unquote, if you will, teaser for the end of things turning into color and, and the set's changing each time, by the way, maybe not a lot of eagle eyed people are kind of look at that, but the, the layout and set changes as uh, as the episodes go on, so or at least so far it has. That's where your cost came, production. Yeah, as well, a lot of it's just adding furniture and like yeah, I, art I, directing I think some a, stuff. A three wall set isn't going to cost a fortune. <laughs> not not like that. Uh, final question thirty. If this show was twenty six episodes, I would quit this show. Would you? I think if it was 26 episodes, we certainly wouldn't be doing it on a weekly basis. <laughs> I can tell you that right I, now. I know from experience that what I would do is I would stick it out for 24 episodes and then like halfway through episode 25, I'd say, I just can't take it anymore. And then I would leave. Oh, and I've then the done last that episode would be great. Yeah. I've done that before where it's just like, I'm forget it. I, I, I quit. And well, 
to be honest with you, uh, Walking Dead was that way. Like halfway through season two, I was ready to give up. Then we find out what's in the barn, and I'm like, finally, we're going to be able to move on. Two more episodes, and I was still bored, and I'm like, the hell with this show. I'm not watching anymore. And from what people say, there's a lot of really good stuff after that, but I sure as hell wasn't going to find yeah, out. Yeah, and then there's a lot of really bad stuff after that good stuff. So, you know, <laughs> bullet dodged, I guess? Yeah, I, I, I'm, I have the proud distinction of having quit on uh, The Walking Dead twice. <laughs> Ooh! And I'll keep quitting on it, doggone it. It's like Elizabeth Taylor and uh, Richard Burton. Is that who they married twice? Yeah. And divorced twice. Well, that it does it for this week's episode of WandaVision 30 Questions, everybody. If you would like to get your questions on this show, the shorter and better and more precise, that would really help us out. Email those questions to WandaVision30Q at gmail.com, and the best ones will make it on the show. Link will be in the show notes for that. So if you dig this show and you've got some, uh, I got some pretty good news for you because we got a lot of other podcasts that are uh, somewhat similar to that. Bruce, where might they find more of your work on the internet? Well, you know, I already mentioned the YouTube channel. I would love to have more subscribers there. Just look for Bruce Leslie. You'll find me. Uh, but also, you can go check out uh, Mandalorian 30 Questions, The Boys 30 Questions. We got a lot of good stuff out there in this 30 Questions format. Sean, what else? Uh, why don't you find me over at uh, at the Twitter? At uh, I'm at uh, Sean Kovacs 4. Uh, sweet Seanzy from the internet, exclamation point. Uh, you want to you talk to me directly? That's a good way to do it. People talk to me directly all the time from there. You can tell him why, he, why he's wrong. Just, tell him, just tweet at him exactly. why he's wrong. You know? Exactly. Yell at me. If he's got a little bit of, you know, you know just go ahead. And, of course, uh, check out Hero Movie Podcast. We've been doing that one for seven years, talking about superhero movies and TV shows all over the place. So uh, check out Hero Movie Podcast wherever you find finer podcasts. That will wrap up this episode episode of WandaVision 30 Questions. Join us next week for another 30 questions for Sweet Shanza Kovacs from the internet. Bruce Leslie, I'm Adam Portress reminding you to forget the past. This is your future. Well, since you put me down